If you have your Bibles, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke. If you don't know where that is, it is after Genesis before Revelation. So good luck. No, I'm just playing. It is uh, in the New Testament. If you go, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hopefully that helps because I'm going to get started. So here we go. We're going to take a look at a story of a man named Zechariah. I love that name, Zechariah. If my wife will let me have baby number three, I'm naming him Zechariah. All right. So verse five says this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. This man had a long legacy. Aaron was the first priest ordained in the book of Exodus. So can you imagine Zechariah's family line went all the way back thousands of years to the book of Exodus and the very first priest that God ordained. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Isn't that cool? God says, y'all are awesome. And they were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So one time in a priest's life, they could operate inside the temple and go into the presence of God and burned incense, which meant they were offering prayers to God one time. So this literally is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And it says in verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. What an announcement. It's one thing for me to understand theologically that God hears my prayers or see a Bible verse that says God hears my prayer, but can you imagine me praying a prayer and an angel comes down from heaven and goes, God heard your prayer. He says, your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. Not only does the angel prophesy that he's going to have a son, he also prophesies identity. He says, you will do this, you will name him John, and you will have great joy and gladness, gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of of the Lord. Wait a minute. He, he'll prepare people for the coming of the Lord. You know, I've been asking, begging God, Jesus, you got to come. We're like on lockdown. We can't go anywhere. Jesus come. And, and this verse would suggest that, that, that God sent someone to prepare people for God to come. That there was a preparation before the purpose of Jesus' arrival. 
So I'm, I'm pressing into this scripture and I'm saying, am I, am I praying this wrong? I keep saying, Jesus, come show up. But Luke tells me that before Jesus showed up, that God sent a man in the power and the spirit of Elijah to prepare people for Jesus to come. So we should probably look at what prepares Jesus to come. And it's right here in the next verse. It says, he will prepare people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Wait a minute. So before Jesus shows up, God is going to send a situation, a person, to fix an issue going on in the home. And the very thing that God sent John the Baptist to fix, the situation with fathers and children in the home, the very same thing that God sent John the Baptist to fix is the very same place you and I are stuck in right now. God said, I'm going to send somebody and the heart's of the fathers are going to turn to the hearts of the children, and the hearts of the children are going to turn to the hearts of the fathers. This is a profound statement because the Gospels, the New Testament, interestingly enough, Bible scholars say that there were 400 years of silence from God. No prophecies, no tangible presence. If you read the final uh, chapter of Malachi and you open your Bible to the book of Matthew, that turn of the page from the final chapter of Malachi to the first chapter of Matthew, you are turning 400 years in history where God didn't say a word to anybody. And now he's showing up to a man by the name of Zechariah and saying, Zechariah, you're going to have a son who's going to come in the power and the spirit of Elijah, and he's going to turn fathers to the hearts of their children. No wonder Zechariah was afraid. He was in the family line of Aaron all the way back to Exodus and I don't know how many generations it is, but Zechariah would have known that God hadn't said anything for 400 years. Not a word. And you're talking to me? And you've been silent for 400 years? And Zechariah was a priest, so he would have known by heart the very last thing that God had said to anybody. And you know what the last thing God had said? To anyone in 400 years? Malachi chapter 4. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Verse 6 says, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. This is literally the last sentence of the Old Testament. And here we skip over to the New Testament and Zechariah is being told the exact same thing 400 years later by an angel of the Lord. He's going, wait a minute, this, this sounds familiar. Wait a minute, where have I heard that? My great, 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 great grandpa said that in the days of the prophet Malachi, Oh, I'm going to have the son 
that Malachi prophesied about 400 years ago? You mean to tell me that a promise made to my ancestors in 1620 is going to come to pass in 2020? What do you mean? If you were God, I think you would have done it before now. I got to wait two weeks, and he had to wait 400 years, and I'm stressed. And I can't go outside till April 19th, and I'm like, God, where are you? He had to wait 400 years before he could hear the words that would have been repeated from Malachi over and over and over again. No wonder he said in the next verse, how can that be? How can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. You see how he switched it up? He didn't want to call his lady old. She's probably standing right there like, who you calling old? He said, girl, you're dusty, girl. I just don't want to say it that way. He said, I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. And then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good. Gabriel is a G. Literally, his name is Gabriel. He's a G. And he goes, do you know who I am? I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And it was God himself who sent me to you to hear this message 400 years late, but on time nonetheless. He says, but now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. He said, I got to shut you up. If I had a supernatural gift that I could just, like, use on believers, yes, one of them would be healing, but the other one would be the spirit of shutteth upeth in the King James. For when your mouth opens and says something the exact opposite of what God wants you to say, so many purposes are canceled with words. I would just say, shut it upeth in the name of the Lord. And you would be silent until you could see the promises of God come to pass in your life. What if, because there's no one to supernaturally make you be quiet, you have undone prophecies and promises with what you say. He says, I got to make this guy be quiet. Then if you fast forward over to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is Zechariah's wife, God sent the same angel. Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. The language sounds familiar, doesn't it? For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. She asked the same question Zechariah did. 
Now, I'm not trying to be, you know, I know I'm a guy, but I'm, I'm, as a man, I'm like, okay, here we go, Gabriel. Shut her up like you did Zechariah. Shut her up. And he didn't close Mary's mouth. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. She literally changed her attitude. She said, old Elizabeth got pregnant? Shoot, anything's possible. If Elizabeth got pregnant. And I've been wrestling with these two passages of scripture, and we're not going to spend too much time here, but I wanted to pose a couple of questions. One is in the book of Exodus, I want you to think about this, when Zechariah was a priest, he obviously would have known that his great, 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 great grandfather was Aaron in the book of Exodus. So the very first priest there ever was was a man by the name of Aaron. And the book of Exodus, Aaron was the first priest after 400 years of slavery. The Bible says that the Israelites, God's people, were enslaved for 400 years. And if you know this, God raised up a man by the name of Moses and he freed them from their slavery. And after 400 years of slavery, Aaron was the first priest. And then thousands of years later, after 400 years of silence, Zechariah was the priest. 400 years of slavery and 400 years of silence, Aaron was the priest after slavery, Zechariah was the priest after silence, and we have been in a move of God for minimum of 50 years where people are being set free from slavery of their mind, of their souls, anxiety, and fear. There have been millions of salvations in this last 50 years, millions, millions, even in the last 100 years. There's been millions. Matter of fact, it's, it's been unprecedented. There might not be any century in all of human history that has had more people come out of slavery into relationship with God than this last hundred years. God ended slavery this last hundred years. And as I was off to the side of this platform saying, Lord, what do you want me to say? I felt like God said, I spent the last hundred years ending slavery. I'm spending the next hundred years ending silence. People will hear from me like never before. And I'm sorry, Julian, I know you want to preach to a crowd. I know it's empty, but people are hearing from you, not from me. And so I'm restoring the hearts of the fathers to their to their children, the hearts of the children, to their fathers, because it's in the home where the, I want the silence to end. People are hearing from me at church and from the devil at home, and I'm done. So you ask for it, Pastor Julian. This is how God talks to me. You ask for it. You want revival. Here it is.
not in your building. In the homes, I'm, I'm, I'm ending the silence. God is turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. And this is not just like, like dads and kids. This is generation to generation. It's restorative. The hearts of the fathers to the, to the children. It's the generation of the fathers. Have you ever noticed that there's mostly like old churches and young churches and they never seem to be able to mix? Like the millennial churches and then the people who like are wearing dockers and like, sorry if that's like your fashion, but like they don't wear that anymore. But like the young people don't, you know, like the old people are on Facebook, the young people are on TikTok. Like we're just so separated. We're so separated. And God's saying, I am bringing back a multi-generational move of God in the home that will end the silence and they'll love to be in church, but they won't need it as much to hear from me because this last hundred years was 400 years of slavery and 400 years of silence. And I want to tell you, don't ride this out at home and do nothing. This is preparing us for the coming of the Lord. And this setback will not compare at all to the comeback after this season is over. It won't even be close. So I just got one thing to tell you. Well, two things to tell you, and this was the first one. Will you allow your hearts to turn towards your family? Would you allow this time to be not so much about your job, your career, and what's gonna happen, but if you're thinking about getting a divorce, would you not? If you haven't called your kid because you don't like their mom, would you call? If you're watching this and you've missed a birthday, would you not miss another one? If you're watching this and you work till 7.30 and you text your wife, sorry, honey, I got to work late, or you text your husband, sorry, honey, I got to work late, and you really don't, you're just disconnected at home. When you can go to work, would you go home early? Would you take a day off? Would you rest? Would you pray with your family? Would you put your kids down to bed? Would you be the one to drop them off at school? Would you allow the Lord to turn the hearts of the fathers, remember that's not gender, that's generational. The people, the young people, the kids turning to the parents and the parents turning to the, to the kids. Would you allow God? Man, we've done such a great job as a church. The Lord partnering with us to end the slavery, but now he wants to partner with us to end the silence. And um, you're gonna hear from God like never before. And this is revival. Doesn't look like it but it is. So that's the first thing I want to tell you. The second thing I want to tell you is this, this passage of scripture has always confused me, guys, because I'm like, is it like God is being hard on the man? Like sometimes I, I, I got a son, my son's five, my daughter is seven. And sometimes I still talk to Bailey in a baby voice. I never talk to Dallas in a baby voice. So is it kind of like that God, like, you know, you like, told Zechariah to man up and you shut his mouth, but little sweet Mary, you were like, oh, the Holy Spirit will come and overshadow you. It's going to be fine. Like, what was the difference? 
Was it a gender thing? And I feel like I can't prove it, but I have a suggestion. Mary was minding her own business and an angel of the Lord showed up and said, Mary, you are blessed and highly favored by God. You will have a son and you will name him Jesus. Well, what was the difference between Mary and Zechariah? Mary wasn't praying about having a son. Mary was getting an announcement. Zechariah was getting a confirmation. The angel told Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. And then Zechariah went, ha! And I feel like Gabriel went, what? The priest who's been praying to God about this thing, I come all the way from heaven to tell you the prayer has been answered and you have the audacity to be a priest and not believe what you have been praying. So I got to shut you down and silence you. And I felt like God said, I'm making it harder and harder to get some of these messages out to the world so that spiritual leaders stop praying for things that they don't believe will ever happen. So it's been a time of silence and I got to start speaking to the home and you're not going to hear from me in the church. You got to hear from me from the house, pastor. You're used to climbing on the platform. You got all the music and the band. You don't even need a word. You just go and this is part of our service and let's, let's flow a little bit. You don't even need to be in my presence anymore. But if you have to preach a message from the house, you need me to show up, don't you? You can't just get up there and do the ministry time and say, come on, let's just press in to the presence and engage our hearts with Jesus. There's nobody there. So if your heart is not engaged with Jesus, everyone can tell. There's nobody in the room. She says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to turn the hearts of the congregation to the hearts of the pastor or the hearts of the pastor, the hearts of the congregation. You are a father before you are a pastor. You're a father before you're a fireman. You're a mother before you're a teacher. You're a mother before you're a firewoman. If you fight fires and woman, you are bad. I'm just saying. You're a parent before you're anything else. And kids don't know how to be kids because parents don't know how to be parents anymore. And God's saying, I'm breaking the silence. And the difference between Mary and Zechariah is Mary wasn't praying, Zechariah was.